I want to help you out a little bit. The Bible said, pray thy kingdom what? Don't pray that no more. It's done been fulfilled. Fulfilled in Acts. You say, pray, the kingdom is here. Everybody ought to say that. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. That wasn't very loud. The kingdom is already here. He's already came. Listen to what Jesus said when he said this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is up on me because he's anointed me to preach the gospels to the poor, to heal the sick, mind up the broken hearts, set the captives free, and those that are bruised. That's what he said. God told Moses in Exodus 19, 6, says, I'm going to make this nation a kingdom of priests. That's what I'm going to make them. All of them going to be kingdom of priests. But while he was up on the mountain, Aaron made a golden calf, and he worshipped it. And God told Moses, I'm taking it away. I'm going to turn it over to the Levite tribe. They're going to be kings and priests. I'm taking it away from them. But Jesus comes along. How many are glad that Jesus come along? How many are glad Jesus came along? Come on now. I'm going to share with you. I, I do not believe that God is, this message going on, God is about to do something. God's wanting to do something. Cast that out the window. He's not wanting to do something. He's not about to doing something. He is doing something because the kingdom of God is here. Revelation 1 and 26, Jesus said, I am going to restore this back to you. Listen to what he said. He said, I have made you his kings a priest in his kingdom. He's not going to. I believe what he said. How many believe what he said? I have made you kings and priests in the kingdom. He come to restore what the devil stole. You don't have to go back and looking for it. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save. How many of you know he sought you? You didn't ever seek him. He sought you. He sought you out. Reason I'm saying these, some of these things in the third world, I ordered some tape from T.L. Osborne, a famous missionary in some of the foreign fields, said this. Said he was preaching one day in the foreign field. This guy got on drugs and alcohol and just really messed up his life. He's got cancer. And his wife has had a baby that's born and can't walk and, and he's growing up and can't walk. And he, he got so bad he's had to walk on crutches. He didn't ever heard about Jesus. But he went to one of these meetings one night and just sat on the back row. And he heard him preaching about who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do. Church, Jesus has come to restore you. Restore everything that the devil has stolen. He got to listen to that and then he said, well, I believe that. When he said, I believe that, Something fell on him. His crutches fell off of, from him. He found out something went through his body. He was healed. He looked at his wife and said, put the son down on the floor. He can walk. And put him down on the floor and he walked. And all of them ran down to the front and give Jesus praise and glory for what he is doing. Amen. Come on, Kurt. He is doing things right now. You need healing, you're healed. You need deliverance, he'll deliver you. The devil has stole our identities. I'm say, I'm, he's, he's stealing our identity to say who we are and what God has called us to be. This man had legions of demons in him, legions of demons. And Jesus came across the sea to get to him. He came to seek him out. I want you to know I feel something in my spirit to say, not just this morning, that he's seeking you out to let you know he is going to restore in your life if you will just believe. 
It's by faith that we receive what he has for us. Jesus cast them demons out of him. He wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, you stay here and tell what good things to do. That God has done for you. He went to ten cities, meaning Decapolis. Decapolis meaning ten cities. And he began to spread abroad all the good things that God had done for him. And when he, Jesus came back through that city, he had all the lame, the blind, and the halt laying where they could touch Jesus. And when they touched Jesus, they were healed. They were healed. The devil's stealing identity. He's a liar. He's a thief. He wants trying to tell us it's not going to happen. Listen, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen to you. It's happening to somebody else. He's a liar. It's happening to you. We're going to pray for Jennifer a while ago, and I said, I'm not going to pray for her. I'm going to pray she's healed. I don't know how many times you read in the Bible where it says, I will restore. I'm amazed how many times reading the Bible again, how many times it says, I will restore. I will restore your health. I'll restore your finances. I'll restore everything in your life. I will if you believe me. Trust me. Aaron messed up by making a golden calf. Lost the priesthood. But Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to give it back to you. I want you to know whatever you've lost, you can get it back. You can get it back. Amen. Something good is happening in our lives and the wonderful things of God. Great things is happening. Jesus is replacing. I want you to go home and start reading your Bible, especially read, you ought to read it every day. Matthew 5, how does it start out? Blessed. Everybody ought to say, I'm blessed. Listen, it says all down through there, said, you're what? You're blessed. Deuteronomy 28 says, you're the head and not the tail, and you're blessed. He's letting us know who he is and what he is and what he's doing. Something good is happening in this world today. The greatest revival that the world has ever seen is going to take place. We're going to have a wonderful 2024. We're going to have the greatest we ever had in our lives. The wonderful things of God. You say, Brother Billy, you don't know that. I know it according to the Word of God and what God has said that He is doing in our lives. He came to do these things. Now, Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I'll do what? I'm going to do what? All men were? I'm going to change that up a little bit. He has been lifted up on the cross, got off the cross. He said, destroy this body in three days, I'll raise it up again. He got out. He went back to heaven. He poured out the Holy Ghost. He has been lifted up. Let me change that other word a little bit. I will lift all men up where I am at. Listen, the prodigal son messed up. There's not one person in this world had not messed up. Not one person that has not had to repent. He had to repent. He lost everything. He lost everything. Eat with hogs. I was in the hog business one time, me and another guy. I want you to know you don't want to be in the hog business. That's a nasty smelling place to be in. 
But something happened in his life. He got up and went home. And the Lord restored him back to his rightful position. I'm sitting here this morning, I believe, but God to share with you that he will restore you back to your rightful position. What the kingdom of God has planned for your life is kings and priests in the body of Christ. Going to put a gold ring on your finger. Going to put clothes on you. Amen. And going to free you from all these kind of things that binds us and sets us free. Praise God. There's nothing too hard for God if we'll just believe. Something good is happening in our lives. Wonderful things is happening. Jesus went in the temple one day. It was on the day of the synagogue. And they was watching him. They was watching him to see what he was going to do on that Sabbath day. And he looked around. He saw a man there in the temple. And the synagogue had never used his right arm. A right arm in the bower means power. He'd never been able to use that, but just withered and hanging down. And Jesus looked at him, and he looked around, and they had all their eyes on him. He said, stretch forth your, I want you to notice it, stretch forth your right arm. And when he spoke that word, that man had never raised that arm before in his life. But when he said, stretch forth your right arm, he stretched forth that right arm. He came to restore him back to his rightful position in the kingdom of God, what had been stolen from him. He came to seek and to save and deliver and set us free. It's not God's plan for us to be this way. Now, I guess it's tonight at midnight. We're going to New Year, right? Elijah came down and threw a mantle, a mantle on Elisha. He was plowing 12 yoke of oxen. Oh, hallelujah. He burned in plows. If you ain't never plowed, I never plowed 12 yokes of oxen, but I've plowed some teams. If you've ever plowed, you'd like to see that plow burned. He burned that thing. He sacrificed them oxen, and he ran and kissed his mama and papa goodbye. Now, I'm not saying you're not to kiss your mama and your papa goodbye, but we've got to kiss this past goodbye. It Gilgal means roll away. God wants you to roll away yesterday. There's a new day coming for you. He went to Bethel where the parents of God met Jacob when Jacob ran away from home. Hallelujah, church. Jacob had run away home and didn't have nothing, but the glory of God met him. The glory of God will meet you right where you are. Though you run away and distort and destined for nothing, God will restore you back to your normal position in the kingdom of God. He will do it if we have faith. If we have faith. Glory to God. There's so much in this book. So much in this book. Bethel means the house of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So God bless you. What kind of year are you going to have? But you're going to have to roll away some things. Going to have to roll away fear. Your biggest fear is not this world. It's not what's going to happen in the world. It's what's happening on inside you. Fear, worry, anxiety is what destroys our relationship with God. He doesn't cast you down. I want to share something else with you. We talk about how to you ought to love one another, and we should. We should. But I want to share with you this morning, we ought to love God more than anything else in this world. When we're offer our feed and everything else, 
Sister, he still loves you. You may be meaner than a striped snake, but he still loves you. You might have messed up and think he'll never do anything with you. That's a lie from hell. He still loves you. You are his creation. You are his king, and you are his priest, and he sets you down. Peter said he sets you down on the right hand where he is, where he can look at you and take care of you. You will live again if you've messed up. I'll live again. You will live again. No matter what you know. The devil says it's not going to work out. He's a liar. God says it will. There's so much in this book says I'll restore. I will restore. So God bless you for being here today. What kind of year are you going to have? What kind? You're going to have to roll away yesterday. You're going to have to burn your plow. You're going to have to sacrifice some oxen. And you're going to have to go to Bethel where God is. He has a great plan for your life. Already planned out. He's already got it all planned out for you to be blessed. We're going to see miracles we've never seen before. I don't know. Starla's here this morning. I don't. She's here somewhere. But look what a miracle God has done in her life. Healed her of cancer. Yes. Healed her of cancer. Glory to God. She's been standing on that rock confessing it and other things. So you're going to be blessed abundantly by faith. Well, it sounds like I may be the long-winded preacher then. I've got one. Well, we're going to get ready for a new year as we re remember this year. And what a year it's been. What a year it's been. Uh, just all around, it's, it's been a, a pretty incredible year. As a Texas Ranger fan, it was a great year, right? My Texas Rangers won the World Series. That's, that's pretty cool. But on a deeper level, on a, on a more important level, We've seen the miraculous hand of God move in our lives this year. And it's not a fairy tale. It's not a made-up story. We have seen the miraculous, loving hand of God move in our church, in our homes, in our lives. And he has been so faithful, church. He has been so faithful. This year we saw more than 90 kids come through our Vacation Bible School here at the church. We also saw a tornado come through our Vacation Bible School here at the church. If you were part of our VBS this year, then uh, that rings very true for you. We took 23 students to youth camp where we saw miracles, we saw salvations, we saw deliverance. Several of our students filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Here at Calvary, we started our women's ministry this year. We gave more than $15,000 to missions so that we could see this wonderful book be more accessible all over the world. Come on. We've seen some who are miraculously healed of cancer and, and other bodily ailments. We've had a child drown, but she's still living today. Here at Calvary alone, there's been more than a dozen that I know of who have said, I've committed my life to Christ. I've chosen him as my Lord and Savior. And we've seen tons filled with the Holy Spirit here. God is good. God is good. And I want to give you a little bit of encouragement heading into this new year. As we 
turn the page from this old year and, and get ready for 2024. If you would turn your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. While you're turning there, have you ever been to a wedding or maybe you've seen a, a video at a wedding and, and during the reception or sometime during the wedding, some bozo gets down on one knee and proposes to his girlfriend at someone else's wedding? Have you ever seen, have you ever seen that? May, hopefully you have been fortunate enough to not to have been there to experience that. But I've always thought that has got to be the cringiest way to propose to someone, right? And I just want to, like, I've seen, you know, videos on my phone or whatever, and I just kind of want to reach through my phone right as this guy is, you know, getting down on one knee and just, you know, grab him by the back of his shirt and just pick him up and pull him to the side and just be like, you know, no, no, not right now. Don't do this. Not here. Not today. This isn't your time. This isn't your place to do this. Because it's, it's not an appropriate time because a wedding is a day to celebrate the, the bride and the groom and the union and the commitment that they are making on that day. It's a day to honor them and a day to celebrate them. And then sometimes you see some, somebody who's, I don't, I don't know, just got it in their head that this is a romantic time. This is a, a great time to do this. And so they get down on one knee and they propose and, and you're just like, it's just, I don't know. Maybe y'all don't feel that way. Y'all don't. Yeah, I don't know. But to me, I'm just like, ah, this isn't, this isn't it, fella. Like, this isn't the right place and the right time to do this. This place is a time to celebrate and honor someone else. And we see the story here in John chapter 3 where John the baptizer, John the Baptist, as we know him, he kind of gives us this idea. It's not the time and it's not the place to want to hold glory for yourself or to steal the spotlight or to, to step in the way of someone else. And so I want to read this to you here in John chapter 3, starting in verse 22. It says, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Ainon near Salim, because there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to John and said, Rabbi or teacher, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. And then this, this famous verse, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. This new year, 
I want to encourage you to make it your goal to understand your mission. What if we as God's people stop trying to chase the spotlight for ourselves? What if we stop trying to steal the stage and, and get in the way of what God is doing and just understand our place? Right now, I'm just the bridegroom's friend. I am just here to prepare the way for God. I am here to prepare the way for Jesus' mighty work in the world that I live in. I know every year at, at the new year, we tend to make these New Year's resolutions and and start, you know, getting in better habits and, you know, say, I, I want to lose one or seven pounds and, and you know, I want to develop new skills and we start writing out our list of ways to improve ourselves. And those are wonderful things. I think we should do all of those things. Those are great. Those are fantastic. You should absolutely make your New Year's resolution. But what if we became less focused on ourselves this year? What if we instead asked God, said, Holy Spirit, will you lead my life this year? We can make plans. We can chart out the course of our year this year. But what if instead we just said, Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me. I want to follow where you are going. I want to do what you are doing. I might try to lose some pounds along the way, or I might try to do something great along the way uh, for my family or my career or whatever. But this year, God, this year is yours. This year is yours to have, yours to hold. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We, we want to be children of God, but many of us, a lot of times, we get distracted and forget to allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God. Mm. I love John's statement here, what he said to his disciples. I, and I want you to notice what his disciples said to him first. They said, hey, rabbi, teacher, this man who you identified as the Messiah is baptizing more people than us. They're saying, John, listen, our church is falling apart. People are leaving by the droves, and they're all going over there to that guy. What was John's response? Of course they are. I'm not the Messiah. Why would they stick around here with me when you've got the living God in our midst? Listen, John was the greatest and the worst pastor of all time. His church completely fell apart, and he considered it his greatest achievement. He said, if I can point others to him, if I can get others to know him, what did they say? The man you identified as the Messiah. See, John knew who Jesus was. And I believe that if we truly knew who Jesus was to us, we would say, God, it's not my will that needs to be done, but your will. Everything else around me can fall apart if it needs to fall apart as long as it glorifies you, Jesus. I want to encourage you this year to let Jesus' success become your greatest success. John said, this is why I celebrate his success, because he is the one. He is worthy. He is the VIP. He's the reason that we are here. Oh, come on, church. Come on. If y'all would just play something, we're going to have another song of worship. This is the end of my sermon. This is it. Well, how am I doing on my time, Brother Don? Where did he go? <laughs> I want to encourage you, church. 
this year. You can make your resolutions, do those wonderful things. But can we make it our concrete focus, our set determination, our priority in life this year, that God, you will become greater in my home. God, you will become greater in my business. You will become greater in my education. God, you will become greater in my marriage. You will become greater in my thoughts. You will become greater in my actions. You will become greater in the places that I go. You will become greater in the things that I set my hands to do. And God, I want to become less. I want to point others to you. I want others to know the salvation that only comes through Jesus. I want others to experience the feeling of your Holy Spirit presence because it's the greatest thing that can be experienced on this earth. God, I want others to know you. So help me learn how to do that. Help me learn how to be that way. God, remind me I am not the Messiah. I am simply here to prepare the way for him. Come on, church. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Let that be our our verse this week. Underline that in your Bible, if you would. This year, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. All glory to God. And as we sing this last song, I don't know how how much you have prepared, but as as we worship one last time, I I do want to ask you, unless it's an emergency, please don't leave just yet. I want us to give God some honor in this place. Let's end this year on a high note. Let's end it out strong. We just sang a song that God finishes what he started. Let's finish what we've started this year. We started this year out with prayer. We started it out saying, God, this is going to be your year. Church, let's end it out that way this morning. Let's say, God, you will be glorified in this place. So unless it's just an emergency, I just want to ask you to stick around for just a couple more minutes as we sing, as we give God honor and worship because he deserves it, church. He is worthy of it, church. And and for just a moment after they sing, I just want you to take a moment to look at your life and say, God, how can you become greater in me? And how can I step aside as the bridegroom's friend and simply just enjoy being in your presence? Amen. Let's worship together.